If you'll take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I want to speak a message to you this morning entitled, Touched by God. Touched by God. My prayer this morning as I was uh, with the Lord before church, and even last night as I was looking over these notes, was that the work of God would be powerful in this room today. Anyone in here ever had the touch of God on their life? So I want to start this morning with a powerful encounter that Daniel had. In Daniel chapter 10 it says, Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. Now, Father, we welcome you in this place today. Allow this word, as we talked earlier this morning, Holy Spirit, I'm asking that as you are in this room that you would individually minister to each heart. And that, God, there would be a corporate work in this church, the touch of God. May we decrease and may you increase. And everybody said... There's a quote that says, when God touches a person, they will never be the same again. Another quote that I love is, when God puts his hand on a person, they will doubtless never be the same as they are. I think we're learning in society and in the church more than ever that touch, one of the five senses that God gave us, is very important. Touch can either transmit infection or touch can communicate affection. Touch is vital in the family. How a mother loves a child. This week, Emily was running, my granddaughter was just kind of running through the house a little bit and she tripped and fell. She had a blanket around her and when her foot got caught, her hands were around it and so she was going to tumble. There was nothing there to catch. And her face was caught by the floor. How many of you know that's a marvelous thing? And as soon as it did, my daughter was right there, and while she was crying, as soon as she put her head on her shoulder and felt the touch of mom and the kiss on the head, things just started to get better. We know that how a mother or a father holds their child from their earliest days determines their health physically. It determines their sense of safety and their sense of love and acceptance. As Greg was sharing with us earlier today, the hand of wisdom applied to the seat of learning when children are disciplined is great for direction and understanding. And if you've ever received that direction, say a good amen. amen. And you live through it. Isn't that amazing? Love in a marriage is crucial. From holding hands when you first start dating to the gentle hugs that couples give one another who have been married for decades to the tenderness that comes in intimate moments. The touch of friendship that is affirming from the pats on the back that we receive to the high fives given when things are done well. Touch is powerful in prayer through the laying on of hands as the sick are healed. A tender touch of affirmation from a wonderful saint in the church upon the back of a young one growing in the Lord. When we lay the hands on those that are just starting out in ministry and ordain them for the cause of Christ, to when we lay hands on those who are demon-possessed and see the demons cast out as believers put their hands on them and say, we've got a hold of you and the enemy who is trying to destroy you can't touch you any longer. How many of you are thankful for the power of touch? 
there's another meaning to the word touch. Something more than physical. Something that's emotional and spiritual. We often speak about our hearts being touched by someone's kindness or our lives being touched by someone's intervention or our souls being touched by God's love and his grace. Years ago, Bill Gaither wrote a song that I'm sure almost every Christian in this room remembers. He touched me. You remember that? Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Throughout my years, I've watched as believers have sang that song, and you knew they meant it. I loved to watch as they would sing it when I was a child, and I'd look into their faces, and you knew that they knew what it meant. I've sung it myself, knowing that God has done things in my life that are beyond explainable, but absolutely wonderful. The touch of God is unmistakable. It's life-changing. That initial touch at the time of salvation is wonderful, but throughout our lives we all need to know and experience significant touches of God. Listen, how many of you are thankful for your fathers or your mothers who have touched you throughout your lifetime and it has still been a blessing? I remember the hug of my mother when I was just a child, and I've known the hug of my mother now in my 50s. And those touches are still impactful. If an earthly mother or father knows how to touch us that way throughout our lifetime, wouldn't we know that our Heavenly Father would know how to minister in powerful ways? There are times in our lives where we're hurting and desperately need a touch from God. There are times that we grow weary of the ordinary of life and we need a fresh touch of the Spirit of God. I believe that there are people right now in the body of Christ who have grown tired of the lukewarm state of Christianity in America. People who are sick of the powerlessness of the modern church and they long for a touch from heaven on their life and upon our nation. If that's your heart, would you just say a good amen? There are people who long for a move of the Spirit in all His fullness. And they are ready to stay in the secret place of prayer, seeking God. These are the people who say, Lord, start with me. Fill me. Move me. Use me. They are not even praying for everybody else. Although they want to see a revival in the country, their heart has for them to get in the secret place and say, God, I know I need a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. I want you to move in my life like I remember when I first gave my life to you. God, come and do it again. And I'm not going to keep coming. I'm not going to quit praying until I receive what I'm asking for. They're not worried about how they look to other people. They just want the fullness and the presence of God, and they're ready to pay the price, whatever it is that God asks. Throughout the Bible, God touched people powerfully, and that touch changed the trajectory of a person. It changed the outlook for entire groups of people. Back in the Bible, it would seem that only a few certain people experience the touch from God. And we're going to look at a few of those today. But it is my conviction that God will touch anyone today who will seek his face and desire to know him and who will desire to declare his word and his life to the world. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God touched Daniel. As we were reading, God was in the process of revealing himself to Daniel. And he was showing Daniel some powerful things that he wanted to do in his life, in the life of Israel. 
And Daniel was so overcome by what God was showing him that anything short of a touch from God was going to leave him undone. Daniel had a powerful reaction to what God was doing in him, to what God was showing him. And it literally knocked Daniel off his feet. Daniel was not just off his game. The Bible says Daniel was completely undone. And here's why. God was preparing his servant, body, and soul to receive a word from heaven. And that's always an awesome sight. I want you to hear me. Whenever God touches one of his praying servants, he will manifest himself in that human vessel. First, he will strip that person of himself, and then he will totally envelop them and encompass them. I want you to get this. There are times when even the most dedicated, prayed-up Christian needs to be put on their face before God so that when God lifts them up, they will never be the same again. And listen, most people can't handle this. Most Christians don't want any part of something like this. Daniel wasn't alone when this encounter happened. He had people with him. And when the presence of God showed up, all of them got scared at what was happening and all of them just walked away. Actually, the Bible says that they ran away and they hid themselves. Listen, the sight of this process of God working in people's lives can strike fear into flesh-bound Christians. It will either cause their hidden sin to melt or it will prompt them to flee the scene. I want to tell you, when God begins to deal with a person, there will only be two responses, either submission or running away. Listen, my prayer is that we will be a people that will submit to the work of God. Touch someone next to you and tell them, you just got to submit. Go ahead. Ooh, you were all pretty quiet on that one. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. Listen, through Daniel, God was about to end a famine. The famine was natural and spiritual. God did the same thing through Joseph. I don't know if you've noticed, but we are in a spiritual famine in our land today. We really are. There is a spiritual work that God wants to do in our nation. And any time that God is going to do a significant work through people, He will do a significant work in them. God was showing Daniel some things. He wanted Daniel to speak some things. And God made Daniel his spokesman because he never let up in prayer. You see, the Lord touches every servant who's faithful in prayer. He seeks out those who are willing to discipline themselves in order to hear his voice. The Bible calls this attitude setting the heart. In Daniel 9.3, Daniel says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloths and with ashes. In Daniel 9.20-21, it says, Now I was speaking, praying, and confessing, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me, touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. Before all of this, Daniel spent 21 days in prayer and fasting. One of the reasons we as a church have two separate times of prayer and fasting during the year is we know we desperately need the touch and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is a lukewarmness about the modern church. There is an apathy and an okayness 
with the status quo in the church at large. And the Bible warns us in the book of Revelation that a mark of the last day's church would be that it is neither hot nor cold. And how many of you know if you are going to be either hot or cold, there is going to need to be a constant stirring within you, a constant moving, a constant work of the Holy Ghost in our life. You see, lukewarm means that it's neither healing nor refreshing. And any believer, any church that will desire the fires of heaven and a fresh word from God realizes that it must constantly ensure that it is not falling into that lukewarmness. Prayer was a daily part of Daniel's life. Three times a day, he sought the face of God. And I want to remind you, Daniel was a busy man. He was a high-ranking official for several kings. It wasn't like he had a whole lot of time in his life to just go ahead and take off whenever he wanted. He had to schedule these things into his day. But something happened when Daniel prayed. Several times throughout his life, he had significant encounters with God that had a significant impact on people's lives. I want to remind you that much of his daily prayer was simple. It was daily prayer. It was time spent with God. But because he was there, he was available for a touch from God. I want to encourage us, church, be available for a touch from God. I want to tell you that every morning as your pastor, I don't walk into this church, and not every prayer time is one of the most powerful times I've ever had in my life. Listen, here's what I found out. Sometimes I just need to be there and be faithful. But there are times when you come into the presence of God, and when you least expect it, He begins to move in a way, and it becomes a special and powerful encounter that encourages you and empowers you for the work that God wants to do in your life. If you're taking notes, I wanted you to mark this down. A powerful touch from God is when He touches the untouchable. In Matthew 8, 1 through 3, it says, When He had come down from the mountain, Great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In Jesus' day, Lepers were outcasts. They lived in leper colonies, and they were considered unclean. No one would touch them. They wouldn't come near them because naturally their condition could be caught by others. Spiritually, they were outcasts who were considered unclean and cursed by God. And this precious man wanted to not only be healed of his horrible disease, but he desired to be accepted and be found clean by others. There are many today who feel like outcasts. They don't feel like they fit in anywhere, and people confirm that by the way that they treat them. There are many today who feel that way. They don't feel like they fit in, but like that leper, some of them may have had an actual disease that set them apart from others. They may have a condition. They're always infirm. They always don't feel good. Some people are just not understood by others. For some people, there's an inner ache and hurt that they carry with them every day that they don't just measure up. No matter how much they've accomplished, no matter how talented and faithful that they are, there's an inner sense of failure and futility in their life. And the greatest thing that Jesus could do is touch them. Do you realize that the greatest thing that Jesus did for this man was not heal him? 
It was to touch him. This leper, can you imagine? There's no telling when the last time someone actually touched this man. No telling when he felt the touch of another human being. The last time he was hugged. The last time he was patted on the back. The last time he was given a handshake. The biggest question on this man's mind was, are you willing? And he didn't just ask for healing. He asked to be made clean. You see, unclean was not just this man's malady. It was his condition. It's how he viewed himself. It's how he felt other people viewed him. And Jesus said, I'm not only willing to heal you in the midst of all of these people that are standing here, I'm going to touch you. And through that, I'm going to do a deeper work than just get rid of the leprosy. And listen, the simple touch changed everything for this man. And I want to remind you that he's willing to touch you today as well. I want to remind you, church, that when you just reach out to touch someone and you say, I love you, I believe in you, I'm for you, and I accept you, and I want God to impart into you some of the deepest work that you've ever had done, listen, it makes a difference in people's lives. So many people today feel like this man. And God is calling us to tell people that Jesus is willing to touch them. And they need to hear that they're not untouchable. If you're taking notes, mark this down. One of the ways that we need a touch from God is to become so aware of our own sinfulness, to become so aware of our own shortcomings before God that it leaves us undone. So that all we desire in life is a touch from him. And Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I love this portion of scripture. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips." and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Listen, how many of you have recognized that we dwell among a people that are unclean before the Lord? For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Can you imagine? Isaiah was a prophet when this happened. Isaiah had already spoken for God. He'd already declared things that came to pass. He had been used by God to prophesy to kings and to nations. As a matter of fact, much of what we see Isaiah prophesied was fulfilled in Jesus Christ as he came and was born and gave his life. How many of you know that man of God? We've already seen those prophecies fulfilled. We're also seeing many of his prophecies fulfilled right now in our day. I believe one of the major problems of modern Christianity is that we have grown so comfortable with our sin that we believe we can stand before a holy God. I believe one of the greatest things that could happen in the modern church is a revival of undoneness. We've forgotten that it takes a touch from God to purify us from our sins. We need a fresh revelation of God's holiness and a new revelation of our wickedness without a touch from God. 
This man of God, this prophet of the Lord, cried out, Woe is me! Help me, God! I recognize that I am a man that is still unclean. In all that you've done in me and through me, I still need your touch. I promise you, Christian, God knows all about your hidden sins. He knows all about mine. He knows our innermost thoughts. And church, we need a touch from God. We need the coals of the altar of heaven to touch our lips and to touch our hearts. Listen, all the great revivals know the furnace of repentance and the touch of God that cleans a life. My prayer is that we'll allow him to do that today. Oh, I want to tell you as your pastor, I hope you don't leave here the same that you came in. I pray that you can't sit there without knowing the fire of heaven. I pray that you can't sit still and know that there is sin in your life and not be moved today. I pray that your heart isn't so hard. I pray that your life has not become so dull, that your hearing has come to such a place that you would say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with it. Pastor, I just want to get on to Mother's Day lunch. I don't want God to deal with me today. Thank you for preaching a word, but can we just move on? My prayer is that you can't do that in the house of God this day. He knows our heart. He loves us too much to leave us the way that we came in. Listen, if we want to see America come to God, we need a revival of undoneness. If we want to see this church move in the power of God, we need a revival of undoneness. And listen, it is only when you become undone, it's only when you become aware of the sin, it's only when you repent of that sin that God will touch you with the fires of heaven and you will be so stirred and for the glory of God. And listen, I want to tell you, we'll need several touches throughout our lifetime. It's a hard world to live in. It's a hard time to, to be alive as a believer. And we're going to need the purity of God over every area of our life. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We need a touch from God so that his words can be in our mouths. Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10 says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And I don't want to belabor this point, but I believe that it's powerful. Today we need the word of God in our mouths again. Too many Christians are giving their own opinions and giving their own advice. They're telling people what they want to hear instead of speaking to them what God is actually saying. In Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, it says, My son... Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Listen, God's words are life and health. Why would we give people our words, our ideas? And our solutions. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And like Jeremiah, our world needs to get a word in our mouth from God. May God touch our lips. And I want to remind you that God doesn't just touch the lips of pastors, teachers, and preachers. He desires to touch us all. And like Jeremiah, may we have a fresh touch from God. I want you to get this. The touch of God will heal. Do you believe that God still heals today? I love that we can come to church and see God do miracles, but do you realize that God doesn't want to do miracles just inside this building? He wants to do miracles through our lives outside the walls of this place. In Mark 8, 23 through 25, 
And it says, so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. That's touch. And when he had spit on his eyes, and I'm not saying this is the way that God heals every blind person. Please don't go around hawking a loogie on everybody. Thank you. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. I want to remind you, church, that the touch of God can heal any malady from sickness to blindness. In this church, we have watched God heal cancers. We have watched God open eyes where God has absolutely even removed cataracts. We've watched God do amazing miracles, raise the dead. He's been faithful. But he's called all of us to do that work. I believe that we serve a God who heals today. But I want you to notice here that this healing took multiple touches. He took the man and led him by the hand. And then he touched him twice. Sometimes God will lead you when you can't see so that you will follow him when you can see. Some of you right now are in situations and you're asking God to lead you and guide you, but you want to see everything. And he's going to just take you by the hand. He's not interested in you seeing everything. He's not interested in you knowing everything. He wants you to learn to trust him in the dark so that you'll learn to trust him in the light. People say, well, I'll follow him in the light if I can see what's going on. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. The truth is half the people would watch where God's taking you go, I don't know that I like that. The question is, do you trust him? Ask someone next to you, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Now, now listen, he'll lead you in the dark. And listen, there are some people that God's taking you through the dark places so you'll learn to trust him in the light. But I also want you to notice again that it took multiple touches to heal this man. And there are people who came up with all sorts of reasons for this. But I want you to notice the Bible doesn't. There's no explanation. Well, God had to touch him because of his unbelief. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. No explanation. Jesus did a progressive miracle. Why was his spit not enough? I don't know. You ever notice that we get so caught up in the minutia that we miss the big points? Here's the thing. Sometimes people need more than one touch to be fully healed. It's that simple. Why? I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say the man was stubborn. It doesn't say that. Doesn't say he was walking unbelief. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say that God's power, Jesus' power, wasn't enough and he needed to touch him because Jesus was off his game that day. Doesn't say that. How many of you have found that people in church get ridiculous? We just make stuff up. We make stuff up as we go along. Turn to someone and say, quit making it up. The Bible talks about the woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched Jesus. Instantaneous. But here's something to get you thinking. Anytime we experience the touch of God, whether we are touched by Him or we, re- or we reach out to touch Him, the result's the same. Healing. I want to leave you with these last couple thoughts. Sometimes when we're touched by God, it leaves us permanently changed so that our walk is never the same. 
In Genesis 32, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Any of you in here ever wrestled with God? I could preach a whole message on this, but I'm just going to give you a point. Now, when he saw that he didn't prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. He touched it. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. I just want to remind you, God doesn't care if you get out of joint. Not your nose, not your hip. He doesn't care. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He made him deal with who he was. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? He didn't answer him. And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he lipped on his hip. From the time that Jacob was born, he wrestled and fought with everyone. Even when he was coming out of the womb, he grabbed on to the leg of his brother. How many of you know that's just a kid coming out with an ordinary personality? The name Jacob, he was given the name Jacob by his parents, supplanter, deceiver. But it can also mean may God protect. But Jacob saw himself as always having to fight for what is his. And God changed his name to Israel, one who prevails with God or chosen by God and blessed by God. And when God touched Jacob, he was never the same. Some of us this morning are always fighting for more. Some of us are always wrestling with God. We're always wrestling with people. Wherever you go, there is conflict because you want what's yours and you don't think people really see the value that you have and what you have to offer. But I want to remind you, you don't ever have to fight that way anymore. If Jesus Christ is in fact your Lord and Savior, you are blessed by the Lord. You are chosen by Him and you don't have to fight with anybody anymore. Come on, give the Lord praise in the house of God. Listen, once a person is touched by God, they'll never walk the same. For years, what Jacob fought with was pride. That's what that was. I'm better than this. You should know I'm better than this. I want better than this. But you don't have to be prideful anymore. You've got everything in Jesus. Hear me. Too many Christians walk with a strut instead of a limp. And we're surrounding ourselves with people who strut instead of limp. And we're suffering because of it. Both in church leadership and in national leadership. Many today are wrestling with God because they want his blessing. But like Jacob, we have it. But we need God to humble us. God touched Jacob so powerfully that he couldn't strut if he tried. And if he tried to strut, it would just look really ridiculous. He had a permanent limp. May God cause every one of us to limp. 
May we have the touch of God in our lives where we're so confident in who he's made us to be, where we have everything that he's ever blessed us with, but we never walk around like we're all that. People look at people who limp kind of weird. Jacob didn't even care anymore. For years, he just wanted to be known as the man. God brought him to the point when he didn't even care about that anymore. And someone needs to hear this. You ask God to change you. You ask God to bless you. And now you're limping. And you think there's something wrong. Stop questioning God. And just walk in his blessing. Who cares how your blessing looks to other people? Just limp. Can I tell you, I think the world is looking for people who will limp. Aren't you thankful for people who are humble? The last touch from God that I want to talk about is for the discouraged and the weary and the worn out. Both Elijah and the disciples after the crucifixion of Jesus had something in common. They were both discouraged and all the disciples were afraid. Elijah found himself in such need of strength that God had to touch him. In 1 Kings it says, Then Jezebel sent out a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. What she was saying is, I'm going to kill you like I killed the other people. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his certain servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Any of you ever been there? He said, it's enough. Lord, take my life from no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly... An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Listen, anyone, anytime anyone tells me to wake up and it's time to eat, I'm grateful. Amen. <laughs> but the only way that Elijah had strength to go on was a touch from God. When the disciples were in the upper room, they were discouraged and they were afraid. They were obedient. But it was then that they received the fire of the Holy Spirit. Listen, in two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. The birth of the church and the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit of power and of fire from on high. Oh, my prayer is that by the time we get there in the next two weeks that God will do a fresh work in this church. Turn to someone real quick and say, I want that. Go ahead. Tell them I want it. Now, don't lie to someone. If you don't want it, don't tell them. If you don't want it, don't tell them. But if you do, tell them, I want that. I want it. The Bible says the tongues of fire set on each of them. They began to speak in other languages as God gave them the ability. But I want to tell you and remind you that it is when we are at our lowest that we can expect a special touch from the Spirit of God. And there are many like that in our day. How many of you have ever been at some low points in your life and the Holy Ghost has shown up? Listen, we need a fresh filling. We need a supernatural strengthening of the Holy Spirit today. And I want to remind you that He's here to touch us all. Today I believe that God is in this place for several reasons. Number one, I believe that he's here to deal with our hearts. First of all, he's here to heal. How many of you believe that the Lord can touch deeply today? Secondly, I also believe he's here to convict, to deal with every bit of sin. And thirdly, I believe he's here for us as a church. When we cry out and say, God, we want the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn powerfully in us, and we desire you to do the work. Listen, would you stand with me, please, this morning? Go ahead, Sherry, if you'd come.
As I sat with the Holy Spirit this morning before church, he said, I want to work in people's lives. How many of you believe he's been here this morning? And I don't know how the Holy Spirit has specifically spoken, but I know that he has. There are some of you that hurt so deeply for so long. I want you to know that Jesus is here to touch. And I'm not talking about the physical things. I'm talking about the deep emotional hurts you've carried. And he's here to heal that today. There are some of you, the conviction of the Holy Ghost was strong. You know there's sin in your life that you need to lay down at the foot of the cross again. There are also some of you that you're sitting here this morning going, would the preacher just wrap this up and let me out of here? I know that. And God's dealing with you. Listen, I've, I've grown up at church, so I, and listen, I love that we can laugh about that because it's just true. Man, we know, we know that sometimes you're just like, let me go. But you're the one God's dealing with. And you've, you've, for a long time, you've been able to get away with that. Preachers have let you go. They've seen the look and they were afraid and they just said, well, end it quick. Or you've kept yourself in that hard place for a long time. I won't be touched. But you know, man, the presence of God's been dealing with you this morning. Don't you let that moment pass. He loves you too much. That's why you're here this morning. Here's what I believe we're going to do this morning. The call twofold. So no one will know what's going on in you. But you'll know what you're dealing with God. If you need healing in your life, I want you to step out and come to the altar. If God's dealing with sin in your life, I want you to step out and come to this altar. Listen, whichever one of those are, step out and move. Don't wait. Listen, because I'm going to wait for you for a little while, and other people are hungry. They want to take mom to lunch, so I'm going to wait. So really, you have every incentive to get out and come to Jesus. Listen, if God's moving in you, and you feel that urge, or you don't want to move, but you know God's telling you to move. Don't you stand there. Don't you stand there. God wants to heal you today. He wants you to touch you this morning. But if there's sin and you're not ready to release it from God, there's compromise. If you're happy with that, listen, God will deal with you out of this place strongly. Let him deal with you in this place marvelously this morning. Come on, let's make room at these altars today. Come on, we'll just give you a couple more minutes, just a couple more seconds, really. Let's go. If, if you need to be at this altar, make your way. Come on, just make your way. Thank you for coming. He's in this place this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The first thing we're going to deal with this morning is the healing of the Lord because he's faithful. Would you all stretch your hands this way? Father, we thank you for your power and by your spirit that you are the one who touches. And we ask for a fresh touch of the spirit of God right now in the name of Jesus. Healing in spirit and in body, a deep touch that only you can do. I thank you that as our Father, you are faithful. Thank you that right now the work that they have come to believe is the lot of life is not anymore. I thank you, Jesus, for a touch of heaven that not only does a surface thing, but does a deep work. And I speak life over each one right now in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Lord, we thank you that there is work being started and completed this morning. Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you care for them. Thank you for your gentleness 
and your kindness, your perfect work this morning. I thank you that you will never leave a person the same as when they came to you. And so I thank you this morning for a perfect work in Jesus' name. Do you believe he's the healer this morning? Now listen, I'd like us to pray together. And I want us to do this as a church. And I want us to pray together if God is dealing with that sin in your life, that this be a moment of repentance. But we're also crying out that God would come touch us. A revival of undoneness. Can we say this prayer together, dear Lord? Touch us this morning. I repent of every sin. I ask you to forgive me. Every hidden thing. And at this moment, I lay those sins at the foot of the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, come touch our lips. Touch this church. Let the fire of heaven burn in every one of us. Bring us to a place of undoneness and fullness in Christ. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I thank you for doing a work here this morning on this Mother's Day. I pray that we'll look back on this day and recognize this as a spark. It's where something began in our lives individually and in the life of this church corporately. Lord, come and minister in this city. Come and minister in this town. May we see the fire of revival not only sweep through us, but every believer so that people will come to Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing on each family as we go to celebrate with the moms. If they're going home to cook their favorite meal or taking them out to eat, I pray that it would just be a time where they feel appreciated and cared for. And we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a marvelous, marvelous afternoon.